Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hey, what's going on? It's Josh Marion. My boy Tim McCone and Cam and Ton. <laughs> we're talking we're talking Red Sox. We're talking NBA finals. We're talking just basketball and anything sports related in general. I guess uh I guess McCone we'll start off with you and um you know, I've I asked this question to Lift Shats and didn't ask it to McCarthy, but I'd like to know what you think. Um do you think this Red Sox team is likable? Hey, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Um, Anytime. Is this team likable? Oh, no. It's still a no, right? I mean, look, they're doing better than they were last year, I think. Um, but ultimately, a lot of the DNA in this team is the same. David Price just, I don't know how he can't rub you the wrong way with some of the stuff just coming out and kind of uh, talking back to the fans in terms of I'm not tough, this and that. Last week uh, I found pretty irritating. The Carson Smith stuff and going at uh, and not really taking responsibility for his actions as well uh, rubbed me the wrong way, too. Look, I think Mookie Betts is having a terrific season. I know he's on the 10-day DL right now. Um, J.D. Martinez has been worth every penny so far. But to me, still, this Red Sox team, not particularly likable, no. I mean, I, I, I think they're more likable than they've been in years past. Uh, Josh and uh, Tim, thanks for coming on tonight. I just want to say that I think it's supposed because of the manager. I mean, Alex Cora is indefinitely more likable than John Farrell. Yeah, Alex Cora yeah. is honest. Alex Cora is a human being. John Farrell was a corporate spin robot. So in the managerial's office, they're definitely more likable. In terms of the players on the field, I mean, they've all, I mean, I, I feel Mookie Betts is one of the most likable athletes in this town. He looks like he just has fun playing the game, and he's great at it. But overall, no, they're not very likable. Obviously, chief among them is David Price. I've long been a Pejoria fan, but he's lost me with his act the last couple of years. And this year, I mean, this year he comes back for a week, he's already hurt again. Andrew Benintendi is too good to act the way he does, in my opinion. He's just entitled baseball player written all over him. So, no, they're not very likable. And they've been inflated by bad competition. They're a very good team. They're going to go to the playoffs. They probably will win this division because I think they're a more top-to-bottom, more balanced team than the Yankees. But I don't see them going anywhere, and I don't find them likable at all. Yeah, I was going to... Yeah, I was going to ask you guys, do you guys see a difference in terms of are you expecting different, anything different from this team come the postseason? No, not no. at this moment, absolutely not. Yeah. I have them losing in the wild card game to the Angels, McCone. Yeah, no, look, I'm probably – I'm with you guys. I just ultimately, I think, you know, Alex Cora – and I'm with you on Alex Cora as well. I think he has been a difference, and certainly when you compare him to John Farrell, it's night and day in terms of what he's given you, but – Again, I just go back to, I think when David Price is one of the leaders in the clubhouse, I think ultimately the mix probably just isn't great, and, and I'm not really uh, expecting much from these guys come the postseason. Let's we'll wait and see. Tim, we have to ask you now. It's been a, uh, almost a week and a half since this happened. Now that they've, now that you've seen what happened with Mookie Betts going on the shelf and Dustin Bajoya going on the shelf, how do you now feel about the decision to designate Henley Ramirez for assignment? All right, so you guys are going to make fun of me for what I'm about to say. I guarantee it. But I'm going to go back all the way to the Clay Buckholtz decision and, and the decision to get rid of him. And I know that there were salary uh, – um, just from a salary perspective, it might have made a little sense. But I hated that move at the time because you were getting rid of a piece that could have potentially helped you down the road for a piece that you knew was going to make no impact on that year's Boston Red Sox team. And I go back to this, this Hanley Ramirez move, and I think it's very similar in that you're getting rid of a piece that could potentially help you for something that you're not getting anything back for Hanley. So you're taking a piece that could potentially help you off the roster for no reason. And I know you're trying to avoid the $22 million next year, and that's fine. But when I look at this Red Sox team and the way that Dave Dombrowski has absolutely gutted this farm system over the last few years, your window to win is right now. And so to take off something that could potentially help you for nothing, that kills me. I hated the move. Hated the move. 
McCone, how can we make fun of you for that take? I absolutely co-sign with 100% of what you just said. Yeah, look, so I know Clay Buckholtz, uh, there, are, there aren't a ton of Clay Buckholtz fans left in Boston, but I just, I, this move is eerily similar to me for that. And look, Clay Buckholtz, ultimately, we've seen now, uh, since he's left the Red Sox, maybe pro- probably wasn't going to be that productive for you. But again, you're just getting rid of something that could help you, and you're not bringing anything in. And when you're trying to win a World Series right now, which is clearly what the Red Sox are doing with the moves that they've made, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, to get rid of these guys. Hey, uh, Tim, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you anymore. I mean, I just like, it, I hate the the Red Sox are one of the richest organizations in all of sports. And that includes European soccer teams. So it's, I, I believe they're in the top 10 across the world. So when they're making decisions based purely off of financial reasons, it drives me insane. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why the Red Sox, I mean, I, I understand that they didn't want Hanley to best the option, I think there were ways around that. I know Hanley can become a bit of a pain in the butt if you try to bench him, whatever, but uh, that, whatever. And if he does have the option, find a way to move him in the offseason. You're trying to win a World Series here. You have two years to do so because almost every valuable piece on this roster is a free agent either after this year or after next year. And that from Sale after next year, Pomerantz, Kimbrell are after this year. Price can be after this year, but I doubt he's opting out. Uh, uh, Bogarts and Bradley each have two years left. It was, it's a win-now mentality here because your farm system has been gutted by Dave Dombrowski, as you said. Your, only, your top 200 prospects are both out for the year for suspensions and injuries, so you get nothing coming there. It was just a dumb, in-the-moment, short-sighted move. And, and we all know, I think you guys know, that just Dingers, he can opt out in 2019. That, that's oh, he, pretty... He, you guys know that, right? Mm. Right. Martinez can opt out after next year. It's just it, it, it was just a, I, I don't get it. I mean, there are some guys, you hear Mike Felger say he doesn't trust Hanley. Obviously, Adam Jones, they've been all for the move. I just like, I partial part of me gets it because I understand why they don't want Hanley to best the option, but it was just a dumb short-sighted move. And also, you know, you hinge your uh, horse to Dustin Pedroia. And you knew Pajoya as he got a degenerative knee condition. He's not going to stay healthy. Yeah. And not only that, you didn't give it any time to see if he lasted. It lasted a week. And Pajoya's already back on the shelf. Yeah, I don't know how you can look at the move and think that uh, it's a move that makes you better for this season. It doesn't. I mean, it's as simple as that. Does that move make the Boston Red Sox uh, a better, uh, more of a contender this year? And the answer to that is no. And, again, when you're trying to win the World Series this year or next year, and that's really your window to do so, uh, I, don't know how you could, I don't know how you could sign on to the move and say that that was in the best interest of the ball club. McCone, are you, are you Team Vasquez or Team Leon? I'm Team I wish we had another catcher, honestly, is what it comes down to. But, look, um, I, I, I don't really – I don't really have strong feelings one way or the other when it comes to the catching position. Ultimately, what I would like to see is them make a decision on what they want to do with Blake Swihart, because I'm not really sure what the end game is there with him uh, in this ball club at this point. Um, But when it comes to to Leon and Vasquez, I guess I'll lean a little bit more towards You guys can probably push me in one way or the other, and I'll fold like a tent. So I'll uh, I'll toss that. I'll toss that yeah, hi guys. Sorry, I'm a little behind. It's just been a hectic day today, but I'm ready to go and uh, do the podcast. Fire away. Ahead, ask McCone a question. Okay, hi Tim. How's it going, man? Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, I appreciate it, Tim. Uh, Tim, uh, all right. Obviously, you're a uh, Celtics poophead for all the things that are. Um, at least what we know from the show. So I will ask you a simple Celtics question. Okay. Simple off-season plan if you're Danny Ainge. My off-season plan if I'm Danny Ainge? Yes. I do everything in my power to make sure that, and hope and pray that Marcus Smart's going to end up signing the qualifying offer for $6 million, and I look to bring him back. Uh, that That's option. That's my first move. Um, secondly, uh, I package Terry Rozier and I sell at an all-time high with Rozier because I, I just look at the lead guard position with the Boston Celtics, and I've used this example on 98.5 before, but you tell me a point guard that hasn't been successful 
uh, under Brad Stevens in the Celtics offense. And I go back to year one when he had Jordan Crawford winning NBA Player of the Week two times, and they ultimately shipped him off for two second-round picks to Golden State. And I just look at the inconsistency that you've seen from Terry Rozier, and I think that's a player that a lot of Celtics fans are kind of looking at with, uh, you know, green-colored glasses, I guess you'd say, uh, because I'm just not 100% bought in. So if you can get something for Rozier that could help you, or if you could package your first-round pick in Rozier and move up a little bit, and I think people are overblowing, by the way, what you could really get for Rozier, because if you look around the NBA, what you're looking at is a point guard position, certainly, without question, is the deepest position in the NBA. So I'm not sure necessarily what that's going to get you, but if there's any way that you could get any value for him, that's the guy I'm selling high on. So those were really my two two big moves. I think ultimately, you know, coming into this year, I thought that they were still one big move away from becoming championship contenders. Like you needed to make uh, one more Kyrie Irving-like trade if you were really going to be in the mix. After what I saw in the jump that Jalen Brown made this year and just the way that they nailed this Jason Tatum pick because I think he is a special, special player, I think another year of experience under their belts, a healthy Kyrie Irving, a healthy Gordon Hayward, I honestly, I think you're right there. I don't think there's a lot of tweaks that need to be made to this roster. Yeah, any thoughts? Um, I'll say, if my offseason plan is, I will say this, unless Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Davis comes available, I'm not trading Jalen Brown, and I'm not trading Jason Tatum for anybody who's not named Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. So I'm meaning I'm not trading him, period. So when it comes to this, and I want to with this, I would like to sell high on Rozier, like Tim said, and I'd like to see, above all, I'd like to see him get packaged with Marcus Morris and see if you can move up in the draft. With the 27th pick, see if you can get up at the top of this draft. Because I hear these people, I, I hear these people saying that they want to trade Jalen Brown again at the top of the draft, and that makes no sense because J- Jalen Brown's a hit the draft pick that you've hit on. Jalen Brown, if you were to redraft the 2016 draft, probably go second, might go first overall. So I have no interest in giving him up unless you're getting a stud stud in one of the best big men in the league. That's one of the things that they do lack, a big man. So I'm, I'm looking to trade Rozier, and I'm looking to trade Marcus Morris. And I think Marcus Morris is going to become a problem next year coming off the bench. Because he's a guy whose ego got inflated to begin with this year because of uh, the fans here fell in love with him. We saw him mocking Joel Embiid in the playoff series, and he's a bit of a wildcat, as is his brother, as we've all seen. So I don't know of how much I want him hanging around next year, coming off the bench, potentially being a problem. He already said he's had questions about what his role is next year. So I like to get him out of here. I like to get Rozier out of here. I like to bring back the same starting five they had on opening night, see if that's good enough. Because we only saw the starting five play together for five minutes. I want to see what that lineup can do because I think that lineup, especially if LeBron's out of the conference, is the best team in the East and is a championship threat. Yeah, you know what? I think the Marcus Morris stuff is a great point, Cam, in in the fact that this is a guy that really has a short shelf life when you just look around the rest of the NBA. And certainly, I mean, if you just do a, a Google search of some of the stuff him and his brother have done, you're right at the fact that he's definitely uh, a bit of a hothead. So, so that's going to be interesting, too, because that's a guy that if you're healthy and there's a Gordon Hayward and, and Tatum and Brown continue to progress the way you do, you're looking at, what, 10 minutes a night maybe for Marcus Morris? And in a free agent year, that certainly isn't going to keep him happy. I'll say this about the draft, too, because I, I – I nerd out on the draft like no one else should. Like it's pathetic how much I like this stuff. And um, I somebody's got to do it, Kev. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't know, you know. And it's certainly big men. It's certainly heavy in big men. But I'm just not sure, you know, with the way the NBA is set up now. And like I know the the hot name this week was Mo Bamba. His ceiling is Rudy Gobert, and I just look at what you, what the what the Rockets and and with the the Warriors whenever they play the Jazz. They abuse Rudy Gobert, and, and so I'm not sure that that's necessarily a piece that, that's necessary. So that's why when that Jalen Brown came, again, I'm with you on this. If you're talking Jalen Brown to move up in this draft, like that is insane. And certainly, I, I'll give Danny Ainge enough credit where I don't think that that's realistic and a move that he would actually make, but that would be, I just think, a devastating blow uh, to anything the Celtics are trying to accomplish right now. If they, if they did that, packaged up Jalen Brown, when you're looking at an NBA that really – the most valuable piece right now are those six 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 eight win guys that can guard multiple positions. To go take a guy like Mo Bamba that is, I mean, rawer than raw, and his you know ceiling is a guy that you really can't play against the top teams in the NBA. Like that move just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. All right, so, let's, go, Tim, let's, do let's you go around think... the panel here. Let's go around the panel here. Let's 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 say let's say if you had the first pick in the NBA draft, who would you take? I'm taking Aiden. I'm taking Aiden out of Arizona. 
I think he's going to be better than Dwight Howard, and he has more heart than Dwight Howard. What do you guys think? Who are you taking? I'll go. I'll take. Uh, I'll, you know what? And I, I'm so usually anti Euros, uh, and I would I normally don't touch them, but. Doncic, to me, I think is a no-brainer. I just think he checks all the boxes for a player that you're looking for right now. He's young, and he's a little different than most of the Europeans coming over and that he's playing in a league, and I don't want to nerd out uh, a lot, but he's playing in a league here uh, and putting up numbers, unlike a lot of the guys that come over. Necessarily, you're looking at some guy and projecting. Uh, you're seeing that he's able uh, to compete. So for me, it's Doncic. Cam? Cam, you there? Cam? Well, well, well we can't I mean, do a quads camp, so I will, uh, I will include my two sets on this whole thing. And I I agree. I'm going to go with Aiken as the uh, top pick in, uh, that I would pick. I'm sorry, Aiden. Yeah, DeAndre Aiden out of Arizona. And, you know, not that I am a huge fan of him, uh, you know, from what I've seen, but from what I have watched from the limited amount of college basketball that I have watched, seems to be a very athletic big man, which you're not going to find a whole lot of uh, in the NBA. I mean, usually big men are one-trick ponies, but I think that he definitely possesses at least a decent mid-range jump shot uh, I can't think men I've seen. So I am on board with Aiden as the top pick. So let me say this. I, uh, I, I agree with you. And if you watch DeAndre Aiden, he can shoot it a little bit. It's surprising. Uh, my favorite team out of all teams is UConn. So I watch way more American Athletic Conference basketball than any normal person should. And they played Arizona. <laughs> and if you were half a player or if you were the number one pick, in the draft, you should be putting up 45 points on what was a terrible UConn team this year. And he was relatively invisible. So if I'm just looking to build my team again, I just think Doncic over Aiton is going to get you uh, to where you want to be a little quicker. But I look, don't get me wrong, I can see why you guys uh, are in on Aiton. You're looking at it like a, he's a physical freak. He looks like he's you know 30 years old. It's unbelievable. Chiseled. So, Tim, right. is your, is, Tim, is your overall view of this draft that it's kind of overrated? wildly overrated because, I, look, I, I'm not a Bagley guy at all. Uh, I don't think that skill set translates. Um, and just the things that he was able to do, and I know he put up numbers at Duke, uh, I don't think that, that him coming in doesn't get me overly excited. Michael Porter Jr. I have huge questions about with the back. Mo Bamba I think is overrated too. I just think he's really raw. I'm not a huge fan of this draft, no. Bagley right. would be lucky if he's Derek Coleman. Hmm. That's All true. Right. Tim, Tim, while we have you here, I do. We obviously have to get to this. I mean, uh, in your opinion, where does what you saw J.R. Smith do the other night rank among the biggest gaffes in sports history? All right. So we were just talking about this on ninety-eight-five, and I said it was just because from I've never seen anything like it. I had it as number one, and then Joe Murray actually brought up Pete Carroll in the Super Bowl. You got to you got to run the ball there, right? And I said that that's I totally forgot about that. So I would probably put it I would probably put it two behind that. I think. I think throwing the ball on there. the one-yard line is probably the worst gaffe, and this is right up there. I mean, this was – I couldn't believe what – we were actually on the air at 98.5 when it went down, and I think I gasped. I could not believe what I was watching. It was unbelievable. I mean, I, I was alone in my living room, and I was yelling at my TV, call an effing timeout. What yep. is going on? Because I am rooting – I mean, I'm not the typical Bostonian here. I actually like LeBron, and I detest the Warriors. So I am rooting so hard for the Cavaliers in the series, and I thought they had that game. And you knew as soon as that happened that they were screwed in overtime, didn't oh, you? <laughs> they didn't have a chance in the world. I'm with you, Cam. I, I am not a Draymond Green guy. He drives me insane. I, I hate the Warriors, too. I'm actually pulling for the Cavs, believe it or not. But that, at that second, I was like, well, you know what? I kind of bought into LeBron James coming back to Cleveland up until this, and now it's like he, there's no way he's coming back now that J.R. Smith just did that. He's got to be like, who am I playing with right now? Like, what, what am I doing? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, I, I'll include my two cents and just basically make this point here, and then I had a question for you guys. I, my point on the J.R. Smith gap is simply this. I am surprised that LeBron James did not shove J.R. Smith in a FedEx box and send him to Egypt one way after the game because that will go down, in my opinion, as the worst sports blunder I have seen since the 
Chris Webber's timeout in the 93 National Championship game because that game, in my opinion, may have sealed LeBron James leaving Cleveland if they do not come back and win this NBA Finals. So that's my take on it. And so my next question for you guys is simply this. Tonight, game two of the NBA Finals, what will we get in your eyes? I think, I think it's over. I think I don't see how Cleveland comes back from game one. I think you're getting the Warriors blowout tonight. I do. I think the Warriors are going to cover tonight. I think the Warriors will win by 15 or 20 points. I don't think the series is over because I do think once the Cavaliers get back home, they'll probably win game three. If they, win, if they somehow win three and four, then you get a series. But tonight I think you're getting a pretty, one-sided, a pretty one-sided Warriors victory. I hope I'm wrong, but that's what I think you're getting tonight. I, I agree. I agree. That's where we're headed, I think. I think we're looking at a 20-point blowout at the very least, and I think that this series is over in five. If, if you're LeBron at this point, you look at it, it's like, I just dropped 51 points. Yeah. I'm out here playing my butt off. This is the third straight game I've gone the distance. That's because he went the distance in game six and seven of the conference final. And after all of that, here we are with a chance to steal game one on the road in the NBA Finals, which were the biggest underdogs in Finals history, and you can't be bothered to know the score. I'm worried that there's a chance that LeBron's checked out now. It's, uh, it's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, when you really break it down, the fact that you're in game one of the NBA Finals, and you're at the free throw line, too, and you have no idea what the situation is, unbelievable, unbelievable. Well, before that game, Kim, J.R. Smith's biggest blunder was throwing the ball super at someone, whatever that was. So, well, uh, I'll tell you what, though, if you were if you were to lay out that situation and say going into the finals, someone is going to dribble the ball out with four seconds left when the game is tied and not even get a shot off, who is it going to be? I think everyone answers J.R. Smith without question. And well, Kevin, hey, Kevin Grant summed it up perfectly. He's got more tattoos than brain cells. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, guys, I'm going out on a limb. I'm taking the Cavs tonight. I'm taking them on the spread, and I'm taking them with the win. Josh, I hope you're right. I've never heard someone be more wrong, but okay, go for it. Josh, I hope you didn't (laughs) bet your house on that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Tim, while we got you here, I know uh, you got to run. I do want to ask you this, though. Hold on, let me expand. Let me expand. Go for it. You guys are questioning me? (laughs) They've They've had so much time to game plan. There's been... Three days off, right? Mm-hmm. Virtually. Yep. Three full days off. They're, they're they said they're gonna dust off Rodney Hood. Dust him off. Kevin Love only had 21 points last game. He's going for more than 21 tonight. And Josh, I hope you're right. Really think for one second that the Warriors are gonna have another bad game like they did in Game One. They got taken off the hook. You think that's happening again? Yes. I think I think this matchup is really underrated. I, I I think I think the way the Cavs matched up with them in Game One, we're not seeing a Warriors blowout. If you All think right. a blowout is ten or more, I'm calling the game within within ten points. All right, I'm well, taking the Cavs. With, I'll make a deal with you, Josh. Okay, on the next podcast, if by some chance that we get um, you you are correct and the Cavs win. The first thing I will do with the podcast is I will apologize to you on the air to everybody. That's fair. <laughs> McCone, what do you think? I think you're crazy. I don't think there's a chance in the world, but, hey, who knows? That's why they play the games. McCone, before you go, I do want to ask you this question. Um, last week, uh, um, I'm, did you watch? Uh, happen to watch anything as possible on NBC Sports Boston? Yeah, yep. So, I mean, like, it's unbelievable now. It's been 10 years since that uh, wonderful, just magical uh, 2008 uh, NBA season. So I just want to ask you, um, now that we've reflected on a decade since this team's last championship, everything that, that went into that team, where does that team rank, in your opinion, in terms of the all-time great teams and uh, all-time Celtics teams? Is it, is it underrated? Uh, guys, before, I, uh, before you continue, unfortunately, I have to get off. I have to be somewhere. So I'm sorry I got to cut off. So, um have a good night, Kevin. Good talking to you, uh, Josh. Be in touch with me. Something just came up. All right, man. All right, have a good night. Sounds good. All right, yeah, so where does 08? So where does 08 rank in terms of Celtics championship teams? Yes. 
So I would say 86 has got to be number one, right? And then I'm a Worcester guy, so I'm partial to Bob Cousy. Now I know that you know the 08 teams are going to crush those. So I don't know. I it's so tough. It's so tough. I would say probably like middle of the pack, I guess. Um, I just think those Russell teams were were awesome. I know what Felger would say, who you were beating, and all this stuff. But um, yeah, I, I would say middle of the road, middle of the road. But it was just so huge too because you look at like what. The the gap in between the championships and where, you know, for me growing up, the Celtics sucked. Like, there was no real history with Boston. Watching the Celtics was brutal. Like, I grew up with, like, Dino Raja, like, Todd Day, just terrible, terrible, Ricky Davis. It was very frustrating uh, being a Celtics fan growing up. So that was, I mean, that was a huge win. And for them to turn it around and for it to actually work out, like, you know, you see some of these guys try try to put together super teams. This was really the first you go back to it. This was really the first one uh, of this era, kind of. And there were still some question marks going into that. You know, there were a lot of people were worried about, you know, they're not being the bench, uh, they're, they're not being deep enough, um, and they just hit the ground running. That was that was an awesome year. That was really fun. It was a great. It was a great year. I mean, between Garnett and then. That bench was terrific. I mean, when you had guys like James Posey yep. and Eddie House and yep. all of I mean, th- that's a team I'll never forget. And I, I personally, I, I think if you're talking about a one-game, one-off night, I think the 08 team would give the 86 team a harder game than people think they would. Um, but um, I will say this. Uh, Ten years gone, I mean, I just feel like as great as that team was, as great, I just feel like that team left some on the table. Oh, I really do. Without question. I'll tell you what. If KG doesn't get hurt in 09, I think they win that. I think they win it that year, too. And – I still think if Perk doesn't go down in 2010 as well, I think they win that championship. But I'm with you. It was just – it was frustrating because the pieces were there and you just thought that – and what, let's not forget that when they made that trade, you thought the window was probably three years or something like that, and it ended up being probably a little longer. But I'm with you. It just felt like that team had one more championship in them. How many I, I, minutes I, we got left you with, with, with you, McCone? What's up? How many minutes you got left in you? Uh, I got, let me see what time we got. I can do like five more minutes. All right, let's play a little over-under. Okay, perfect. Patriots wins this regular season. I'm putting the over-under at 11 and a half. I'll go over. There's no way that they don't win 12 games. Okay. Cam. Do you want me to chime in too, Josh? Yeah. I'm gonna, I, I mean, right now, given everything that's going on, given the state of the roster, right now I'm going to say under. Oh. We'll see. What do you, do, do you, are you buying into all this stuff, Cam? I think things are bad. I think things are really bad between Brady and Belichick. I, just, uh, first, I think their roster, which was already not very good to begin with, has gotten worse. I, uh, so right now, I think that there's a chance that you see them between, uh, between 11 and 5 and 10 and 6. You know what? I will say this to, to Cam's point, and one of my biggest concerns is, look, offensively, they, uh, they normally they go in with insurance, with with Rob Gronkowski, you know, obviously it didn't work out uh, with Scott Chandler the way they thought it was. Martellus Bennett ended up being a home run, um, and Dwayne Allen didn't work out the way they thought he would last year. But and it, he's it, still on the team, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's down there at OTAs right now, which is mind-boggling because you looked at the cap number for this year and you think there was a chance in hell that he was going to be back on this roster. Um, but he's still with them. It just seems like if the if Rob Gronkowski goes down. Man, and you're relying on Julian Edelman to stay healthy then? That it makes me a little nervous because I know everyone says, oh, the offense is fine regardless. You go back to 2013, uh, that offense, once Gronk went down, struggled mightily. And I think you're pretty close to that where you're you're paper thin right now in terms of the weapons that that, uh, Tom Brady has. I'll say this, though. I don't know if you guys know this, and maybe I was just naive, but I've been down to OTAs um, so far, the two media sessions that have been available. Jordan Matthews is huge. He's a lot bigger than what I thought he was. Kenny Britt's a monster as well. They, the receivers that they have in camp right now are significantly bigger than what they had last year with Brandon Cooks and Danny Amendola and everything. And it just seems like maybe they're going through a bit of a philosophical change in some of the weapons that they're trying to get on the outside there for Brady. Here's another over-under. Dante Hightower, games played, nine and a half. Oh, man. I'm going to go under with that. I mean, we haven't seen a healthy season from Dante Hightower since he's been with the Patriots. And I, generally, I think guys that get hurt, I mean, they they don't really tend to get healthier as they get older, right? So I'll go under. 
I'll go over, but not by much. I think he'll play somewhere between 11 and 12 games. Okay. Um, what about McCone? Uh, Sony, Sony Michelle, rushing yards, 850. I just think that the the fact that you have James White, Rex Burkhead, I think is going to have a big year. Um, Jeremy Hill, we'll see if Gillisley is going to be on the roster or not at the time. I'm going to go under for that. And I'll say this, too. That's a guy, I know he's a rookie, but he struggled a little bit in OTAs, and, and it was in terms of holding on to the football as well, especially. And generally, if you're a running back and you can't hold on to the football, uh, you don't play a lot for Bill Belichick. So I, I wonder if he's going to have the impact that a lot of people were thinking he was going to have in his first year. I think ultimately he's going to be a huge weapon, but we'll see how, how much of an impact he has this season. I'm going to go under. All right, I got right. another good one. Jason Tatum, career points per game, 25, over what, or under? What did you have, Cam, by the way, for, for Michelle? Under. There's just, I mean, the way the Patriots use running backs, I don't, unless you're Corey Dillon, there's not going to be one running back on this team that stands out and takes the game, takes the game and takes the season over. Agreed, agreed. What did you say, Cam? Twenty-five. Yeah, that's what, yep. that's what he said. Twenty-five. Yep. For a career, I'm going to go under. Career points per game average. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go under. Twenty-five a game is a monster number for someone to have because I figure he'll play like four or five years past the point where he's actually productive, and that'll knock it down. So we'll go under. I'll go wow. over. I think. I think. I'll go over. I think Tatum has a chance to be a, a year in year out MVP. I mean, he looks like a young Kevin Durant. I mean, I. I I'm that high on him. I'll take the over. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. It's hard to argue. It's hard to argue. He, especially that game seven. I mean, you just looked at him in the offensive game he has, and to to produce the way he did in that game seven. I don't know how you're not really excited. Danny Ainge nailed that. Love love that pick by Ainge. It was good. I'm taking the over as well on Tatum. I'm taking the over 25 points per game. I guess we'll get you out of we'll get you out here on this McCone. Um. We'll go with Jalen Brown career points per game, twenty-one and a half. Tough one, right? Yeah, I'm gonna go under with that one as well. I'm gonna go under <laughs> with that. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I know that that's some deep analysis right now. I'm really trying to think about this. Yeah, I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna go under with Jalen Brown. I just think he's still got a ways to go in terms of. Uh, you know, becoming a complete offensive player. I think ultimately he's going to get there, but I'm going to go under. I also think, guys, let's not forget, if this team is as loaded as we think it is, and you've got Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, and Al Horford playing all with Jalen Brown, that's going to knock down their averages a little bit. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go under with that. I'll go under, too, mainly because I don't think he's ever going to be a consistent enough shooter to put up those kind of numbers. That's what scares me, too, Cam. That's what scares me, too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would rather trade Brown than Tatum. I I'd trade Brown and Rozier for pretty much anybody if that's good, you know. Especially no, Cat. I, I don't know about Anthony. pretty much anybody. Yeah, Cat or Anthony Davis. Yes, pretty much anybody. You know, Jalen Brown's still going to be a very good player in this league. Absolutely. And again, he's he's you know, Ainge anybody kind that's of... good. Any, anybody that's good. Anybody that's elite, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got to revise that take, but um, you out of here, McCone? Or yeah, guys, I got to take off. But thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. This was fun. Let's uh, right, let's definitely we'll do, do this it again. again. Yeah, absolutely. Let me know. Thanks, All right, man. man. All right, have a good Sunday night, guys. I'll talk to you. Have a good All right, day. bye. All right, Josh, I can hang around to the top of the hour if you want me to. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that gives us some time. Um, I mean. We can we can talk socks now, I guess. I mean, what are what are your expectations for tonight's game? I think tonight is um, it's hard to predict because I don't like the fact that the Red Sox have a pitcher that pitches to contact going against this lineup. I mean, look, I'm, I like Rick Porcello more than most. I think he's a professional pitcher. I know that what he was two years ago is not who he is. I just but like this is an Astros team that is so loaded. But they have guys who can hit for average, guys who can hit for power, guys who can do both. And a pitcher like that going against this lineup, I don't feel good about it. I think the Astros win tonight. So it's a good thing the Red Sox held on last night and got and got that game. Because if you get sweep by this team, I mean, look, I mean, we said it the other night, this team proves nothing until they can beat the Astros, beat the Indians, and beat the Yankees. 
those are the three teams. Those are two of the teams that have taken them out the last two years and the team in their division that's going to chase them to the finish line for the division. So until you prove that you can beat those three teams on a consistent basis, I don't believe in this team. They're very good. They're very talented, but they're slightly overrated. I will, I will co-sign with pretty much everything that you said. Um, I, I was seeing a story from Nesson today that said an AL East team was interested in Hanley. Did you happen to see that story? Yeah, it's the Orioles. Yeah. It's I the Orioles? It. Yes. It's not the Yankees. It's the Orioles. Dan Duquette wow. came out. Dan Duquette said yesterday, and when he Dan Duquette spoke to the Baltimore media yesterday, and said that the Orioles do want have slight interest in Hanley, which I really don't get. Unless they want to sign him long term, they're the worst team in baseball. They're going to have to trade Manny Machado sometime in the coming months. So, I don't really, I don't really get why they'd want Hanley Ramirez unless they want to sign him long term and have him be a guy that people will come to the ballpark and watch while the Orioles rebuild. Other than, I mean, it's a pure business decision for them. If they sign Hanley, it's not a, ba- a baseball decision. So I don't really understand what value he has there. I thought for sure that he was going to the Yankees. I guess not, because I think the Yankees would have signed him by now. <clears throat> but, you know, you add him to that murderer's row lineup of Stanton, Judge, Sanchez, Gregorius, and he's, just the, fi- and he's the fifth best hitter in the lineup. <clears throat> That's a pretty damn good guy to have as your fifth best hitter. <laughs> I mean, we we just we just signed Adam Lind to a minor league deal. The Yankees had Adam Lind earlier. Like Hanley still has some time left in him, and you know, yeah, we we have Adam Lind. Sorry, Nate just asked me a question. Yeah, we got Adam Lind to a minor league deal. Um, and Hanley's only thirty four. I think he still has plenty of good baseball left in him, and 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 if he goes to the Orioles, you know. He he might play some spoiler games against the Red Sox. That's what I'm thinking, man. Hey, he might. Who knows? We saw it in Game 162 against in 2011. The Orioles knocked the Red Sox out of the playoffs when Tapabon blew the save. Um, my biggest worry about the Red Sox right now. We said this the other night. I I worry about the back half of that rotation right now. Can you and I both agree that as we speak right now, Drew Pomeranz does not belong in the rotation? Yes. So. <clears throat> And, you know, we heard Matt McCarthy say this the other night, and it's true. Chris Sale has not been this year what he was last year. He's just, I mean, he just flat out has it. It's not just he last year started. Sale has not been as dominant this year as he's been in the last two years. So I don't know how you can't be worried about him. Price, as we all know, goes on and off. When he's on, he's, uh, and, you know, it was said by Matt the other night, too. When, when Price has been on his game here, he's been an effective pitcher for you. He, he, had, he had a good game last night. Limited that lineup to three runs, got out of the game in six innings, did his job. I'm worried right now. I mean, and the thing is, though, they poured so many resources into that rotation between trading prospects for sale, trading prospects for Pomerantz, giving a boatload of money to Price, giving a boatload of money to Borsello. It, it is just absurd. And just the, the resources that they've committed to that rotation to see it where it is today. If you don't want to rip your hair out knowing that, I don't know what's wrong with you because it's so frustrating that this is the rotation they've managed to put together, given the money and the prospect hall that they put into it. Yeah, I, I want to I want to take the opportunity to crush a few players right now. Um, those two players are Eduardo Nunez and Rafael Devers. Um, terrible defensively, both of them. You look at their wars; they're negative wars. Nunez is a negative point nine. Devers is a negative point four. I mean, Devers is hitting 226. Numbers look decent. Nine home runs, 28 RBIs. I mean, the OBP the OBP is 280. Plug in 401. Devers. Um, I, I I really think he's been disappointing this season. You know, and you know, probably the most disappointing positional player that's actually played a decent amount of time. I mean, I, I, overall, I think Jackie Bradley Jr. has been more disappointing than Devers this year. The good news about Devers, Devers is young. He's going to go through – everybody goes through some, especially when you're a young player. Right now, I think the Red Sox need to take a long, good, long, hard look at sending Devers down and just get him down to the minor leagues, see if he can build his confidence back up. Because right now, Devers is lost. I mean, if you see him right now, he's behind everything, can't catch up to any fastballs. His defense is atrocious. 
but it's something you're going to put up with because of his potential at the plate. Um, if only they had Devin Marrero for some, you know, they traded him off of the key Brock Holt, who was just, I, I, if Josh, if you can just give me a minute on Brock Holt, I just don't understand. What does this guy do? What does this guy do? He doesn't hit for average. He doesn't hit for power. He's a crappy defender, no matter what position he plays. He's not fast. He's not smart. What does Brock Holt do? What does he bring to the team? Why is he still on the team? If one person says it's because he's an all-star, take the phone you have and shove it down your throat, okay? I don't care that he's an all-star. That was a joke. I was embarrassed when he was named to the all-star team. I don't know about you. A team with that much resources, that much money locked up in their payroll, and their 25th man in the roster was their all-star because they couldn't find anybody else because they sucked so bad that year. I, I just I don't understand why Brock Holt is still on this team, and I don't understand the fascination with him. I don't get it. I, I agree. I, I think Brock Holt is definitely expendable. Certainly not probably a major leaguer. Um, probably a good AAA player. But he's a 4A ball player. He's, he, he's a 4A, he's a, exactly. Right, but I hear only a couple of times, like, oh, Brock Holt plays, all, all, plays eight positions. He doesn't play any of them well. <laughs> he does not play any of them well. He's a butcher in the outfield. He's a butcher at second and third and short, excuse me. He's okay on the corners. I, I, just, I, I just don't understand it anymore. I, I don't get the value in that player. And it just, frankly, I, I don't know why. He's becoming to the Red Sox. He's their Jake Beckett. Remember Jake Beckett, the guy the Patriots drafted in 2012? He was never active. He never played it down, never even got into games on special teams. But yet, for some reason, year after year after year, Bill Belichick brought him into the season on the roster. And, I, and it, just, like, you, it just blew your mind. Why is this guy still here? Why is he on this team? And I just like, they, they opted to keep him over Devin Marrero, who would help them right now defensively and whose contract was less money so they'd have more room to fit bullpen help under the luxury tax. I just don't get it. Rant over. Sorry. No problem, man. I'm trying to look up the lineup for the Red Sox tonight. I'm looking at Evan Drellick's Twitter because Nate just told me. Nate might read it off to me. Um, let's see here. I got it. Benintendi in left field leading off. Bogart obviously playing shortstop. Just Dingers Martinez playing DH. Moreland, first base, cleanup. Nunez at third base. I like that call there. He definitely can't play second base well. Obviously, Jackie Bradley in center field for the time being. We want to see him traded. I know I know you agree with that. Brock I do. Holt at, sec, at sec, Brock Holt at second base. Yay. Swihart in right field and Leon catching Porcello. And and just to you know, that lineup that lineup will look a lot better with Mookie Betts in it, but I mean, I this is probably a layup for you, Cam. But you obviously agree with Tony Maserati. If 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 Blake Swihart put out a, a lawsuit against the Red Sox for defamation of character, you'd obviously support that. I do. The Red Sox ruined him. He was a prized prospect. He was a first round pick. He has all the talent in the world, and the Red Sox ruined him. They called him up way too early in 2015 when between their catching situation where Christian Vasquez went down for the year and Sandy Leone and all those guys were in there year in uh, day in day out but and they just they ruined the kid. He was uh, there was Buster Posey comparisons when he was in the minor leagues. They ruined him by bringing him up, jerking him around the field, putting him in the outfield, putting him in the infield and then killing his confidence because they called him up way, way, way too early. So it's just like, and I don't blame him for requesting a trade. I know a lot of people like, who the hell do you think you are? You're the 25th man on the roster. The Red Sox screwed him, and they screwed him up. And so I've never seen anything like that before. It sucks, too, because I was such a fan of the guy as he was coming out of the minor leagues. And because of, it's because of the organization that he is the player that he's become. It's not because of him. He's got the talent. They just don't give him the playing time. And then he, they made him a mental case. He got hurt in the outfield when he played. We all remember that gruesome ankle injury when he was in left field that game. So it's just like 
they have no one. The Red Sox have no one to blame but themselves because they ruined Blake Swihart. They really did. I mean, Nate absolutely co-signs. I know you co-sign. You just co-signed with me. He only has 47 at-bats this season. And that's another thing, too. They're not fully utilizing their roster. They're using a 24-man roster right now. And they have been all year. And I, I know that, look, they, they're going to trade They're going trade Swihart before the deadline. I think that we all agree on that. And they're going to try and get some bullpen help for him. So... I honestly, I, I understand why they kept him, why they brought him into the year. I don't know why they're not playing him. And I don't know, can you at least try him behind the play? I know Christian Vasquez just homered last night. I didn't, that, was a, that was one of the biggest hits of the year to this point. It really was. That, because that was, a, that was a huge hit. Tied the game, and then Ben Intendi's home run gave him the lead. One of the biggest hits of the year Vasquez gave you last night. And I like Vasquez overall because I, I think he's a perfect backup catcher. I just don't understand why they won't try Swihart at catcher. And if they're not going to play him at catcher, they're not trying him anywhere else in the roster. It's just a waste of a roster spot right now. And, it's just, and like I said, he's had every right to be angry, every right to be pissed at the team, because they did this to him. So, I mean, we obviously should, we obviously should just keep Nunez away from second base. Um, you know, it's, when, once Mookie comes back, I really don't know what Blake Swihart's role is on this team. You know, unless they get rid of JBJ, it, it's which, really which, come they're down. Not, which they're not going to do. They, JBJ has options. JBJ, he's got one option left, and he's got another year of team control. And, he's a, and JBJ's a valuable bench guy. He started to hit a little bit more, and you do you do know that you're going to get lightning in a bottle months with Jackie Bradley Jr. And the thing is, Jackie Bradley Jr. When he hits his lightning in the bottle months, he's, it's not just Oh wow, he's producing. When Jackie Bradley Jr. is in his is on his runs, he's one of the best players in baseball. Remember, at the end of May of 2016, he had a higher OPS and more home runs than Mike Trout. Wow, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a great run from him. I I, I just don't see it this season. I think he's, I think he's maybe mentally checked out. Um, I I think I think he realizes that. His role, you know, his role isn't – I mean, he's, he's going to play for now, now that – I don't know, now that there's guys guys missing and all these injuries and stuff. But, I don't know, I just, I just ultimately think he's our greatest, greatest, you know, non – we have nothing in the farm like we've stated multiple times. So, I, I think he's the guy that we have to move on from. Right, and you won't be able to trade your first – the draft is tomorrow night, and you won't not you won't be able to trade your first round pick tomorrow night for sixty days. So you won't be able to move him at the deadline. So you can forget about that. You're not going to be able to. Um, you, you have nothing in the system to trade to begin with. So your two trade chips are Bradley and Swihart, and you're going to one of those two are going to be moved at the deadline. My bet is it's Swihart because I don't see them moving on from Bradley, at least not now. In the off season, I think they might because the, right now the Red Sox have World Series aspirations. And they they have the talent to do it. They really do. They're one of the best teams in baseball. They have the chance. They have the opportunity to win it all. But it's just a matter of can they? And if the, and if they think they can, Bradley is a very valuable guy to have coming off the bench. Yeah, just defensively though. That's that's all. That's all I'll say. But uh, I'll take your closing thought. I don't really have one, so I'll take. If you have one, I'll take yours. Okay, I'll give you my this, – this is my closing thoughts. The same one I had the other day. We're now two days away. Two days ago, it was reported that Peyton Manning and his lawyers confirmed Al Jazeera's December 2015, January 2016 report that he had human growth hormone shipped to his house. And this has not been mentioned on ESPN once. I've been watching ESPN almost nonstop for three days. Nobody on ESPN has mentioned this story. Nobody on Fox Sports 1 has mentioned this story. Nobody on the NFL Network has mentioned this story. I understand that Peyton Manning is retired. I understand he's away from the game. But I I just want to know this. Peyton Manning cops to and admits using HGH, and nobody says a word. Tom Brady lets a little bit of air out of footballs, and people want to throw him in prison. The double standard that the Manning family gets from the media is disgusting. And I don't even hate the Mannings. I really don't. I'm one of the few people in this area who don't hate the Mannings. So 
I don't hate. I, I think Peyton Manning's a classy guy. I don't mind him at all. I hate his father. I don't mind him, and I hate his. And obviously, I hate his brother. But Peyton himself, I don't mind. The the treatment that he gets from the media is pathetic. The fact that they won't even mention this. It's not. I'm not saying. I'm not giving them a hard time for not even giving it a segment or anything like that. It hasn't been mentioned. It hasn't been on the bottom line. Nothing. It's a blasted joke. The treatment that that guy gets from the media. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. You know, Aaron Rodgers admits that he overinflates football. Tom Brady admits that they, and I guess it's proven that we underinflate footballs in the past. You know, it's and this guy's out here openly cheating, and you know, it it goes it goes without any any recognition, even on on the most recognized sports network ever created. I tell you right now, John. If Peyton Manning did the flakegate, it would have gotten a week's worth of coverage, and he would have gotten that max, a twenty-five thousand dollar fine. Well, Cam, you all you obviously know why we everybody hates the Patriots. They hate us because they ain't us. Like they hate us because they ain't us, buddy. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess we'll end it there because we'll end it on a high note. You know, Patriots right. are gonna roll out of bed and be in the AFC Championship. I think so. I hope you're right. I haven't felt this less confident about them, this little confidence about them in a long time. But all right, Josh, I'll try and book us some guests for tomorrow, and we'll talk to you then. Just tell me what time, all right? All right, brother. All right, talk to you tomorrow. See you. Have a good night. See you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.